time. Time is running out. Calling all patriots and lovers of our constitutionally protected, God-given, self-evident, innate legal rights in Tennessee and the United States of America. If you are sickened by the liberty-eroding activities of a government that hates you, then it is time to wake up. If you are fed up with the tyrannical leadership on display by all levels of government, now is the time to listen to your reveille call. If you are equally tired of the political class, the new aristocracy, lying to you in their pursuit of power and control, now is the time to take a stand in the arena. Please welcome your host, Larry Linton, U.S. Navy veteran and candidate for Tennessee House of Representatives to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this special episode of the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be airing the second half of my appearance with Dr. Alan Keyes on his Let's Talk America show. As I mentioned last week's special episode, I do realize that Dr. Keyes is speaking much more than I do, but that's not a bad thing in my mind. Dr. Keyes is one of the greatest constitutional thinkers of our times, a great conservative, a great Christian, and his words should be listened to. So let's get on with the second half of my appearance with Dr. Keyes, and I'll be back on the other side to close out this segment. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Alan Keyes. I'm talking to Larry Linton. Uh, He's running in the state of Tennessee, where we have our uh, studios, uh, for the House of Representatives. Uh, And he's somebody, you have a very, I think, informed but down-to-earth sense. Uh, And when I say down-to-earth, I mean you understand the role that we as citizens of the United States are supposed to play, right? People who are prone to follow the law, that's what the word ordinary means, by the way. If you call somebody ordinary, the literal meaning of the term is that's somebody who follows the ordinances, who follows the laws, keeps to try to paint within the lines of proper behavior. In the context of our Constitution, that means that you're going to demand representatives who stay within the boundaries of their constitutional powers but that you yourself are also committed to them, to respect the Constitution and the laws made pursuant thereunto. Um, I think we've actually reached a stage now where a bunch of these radicals have gotten control openly now, I think, in the Democrat Party, and they're stepping completely away from what had been that profoundly important understanding of our civil responsibilities, our civic responsibilities as individuals, who are then part of the sovereign body of the people and who therefore have to comport themselves. We have to sort of have in mind uh, what we need to be in order to represent respect for what is essentially our own God-endowed sovereignty. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. I I think a lot of the politicians, particularly on the Democrat side uh, um, and so forth, have completely forgotten this and are embracing uh, what is essentially uh, the poisonous power-mongering approach that we actually expended many tens of thousands of American lives fighting in different battles in different places in the world. Um, uh, Do you think most people, one, realize that, and are they really committed to giving up wholesale the heritage of this country? I don't think the people are committed to. I just think that they're not aware of what's going on. They don't pay attention. Most of the people, ordinary people, follow the orders, they just want to be left alone by their government. Hmm. So they'll pay their taxes, they'll go to work, 
They'll do whatever. And as long as something that Washington or Nashville says or does doesn't directly impact them, they don't care. They don't want to get involved. But they got to realize that we have reached a point in our development of this country that the government is involved in everything we do. From the manufacture of this tie to the electricity, our founding fathers would be rolling over in their graves with the amount of government control in every aspect of our lives. It's because people have just, as long as it doesn't affect me personally, that we all have to wake up and realize that we each have a special, not only do the elected officials have a position of special trust, each citizen has a position of special trust to ensure that the elected representatives follow their oaths to the Constitution and then follow the Constitution and represent the people. What do you think, because I, I, I found that we went through this scuffle just recently uh, in which uh, the Biden, alleged uh, President Biden came forward uh, and he was going to pay off the college the tuitions and debt uh, of people who had uh, incurred those debts in order to get their education. Right. Uh, and I looked at that because a lot of us went through that mm. process and you, you know, paid for years afterwards. Uh, in order, you had a little something you had to set aside from every paycheck, whatever level of income you were making, mm. in order to make sure that those co uh, college tuition debts got paid off. Uh, it never occurred to me that that was a bad thing. Why? First, because it encourages people who have gotten an education to understand one of the reasons that you get an education is to make sure you can work. Right. You're supposed to work, uh, and so forth and so on. And it puts the, uh, a, a little, uh, makes it a little easier to make sure that everybody who has that commitment uh, to learn and to work uh, is able to do so. So I don't have a quarrel necessarily with the idea that at some level our governments at various levels have an interest in quality education and in making sure people get through the door. But isn't it actually encouraging a kind of bad character to relieve people of the idea that once you've incurred the debt, you ought to pay it, and that that's part of what you have to work to do? And where's our Davy Crockett? says, why are we appropriating something that's not ours? Mm -hmm. Why are we paying for something that's not ours to begin with? Mm -hmm. That debt is not mine. I did not incur it. That debt is a majority of Americans did not incur that debt. Yet all of us are going to pay it now. And the Democrats always pretend, by the way, that they're for the downtrodden and for the low classes and so forth. That, it seems to me, when you look at the actual characteristics of people who are mostly able to take advantage of it, there you're talking about upper middle class to higher uh, Postgraduate degrees. Right. Why are they trying to act as if that's some favor they did for everybody, when in fact it seemed to me to be a, a, a sort of bribe that was dangled in front of people who were going to be grateful for that money because it got them out from under uh, responsibilities that they had freely undertaken. Uh, I actually have read a lot of articles where people are making this point, and it strikes me as important because it indicates that unlike, I think, generations in the 19th and into the 20th century, I, uh, people don't realize it because they're always bad-mouthing <laughs> America in the past. Do they not realize that there would have been no civil war if it hadn't been for people upright enough to constantly pound away at the God-fearing premises that were articulated in the Declaration and violated by slavery? People had to do that. 
Correct. They had to work at it over decades. They had to be willing to take the risks, first in terms of their labor and business and other things, because people would react against that in, in certain parts of the country. Uh, and then finally on a battlefield, they had to fight it out. Uh, do we not have that sense anymore that we, as a people, as a whole, are the custodians of those fundamental premises and we have to respect them? Uh, and, and one of the ways in which you respect them is you realize that the government budget doesn't exist to bribe people for political purposes. Isn't that what Biden essentially did? He absolutely did that. And that, again, it goes back to allowing the government to have first cut of our sweat equity has blinded them to being big spenders. They could buy anything and they buy support or they buy compliance. And they, they're doing this buying support from people that have can afford to pay back these degrees, or they got a degree in something that would not, if it's not valuable enough to earn, to pay it back, it's definitely not valuable for me to give them money for mm -hmm. it. So we have generations of Americans, and this is, goes back to our public education system. They, people are not educated on their civic responsibilities, mm -hmm. and that the government, A, is not supposed to operate outside of his budget. Mm -hmm. And they do that because they get our money first. Well, they've done it uh, to an enormous degree, and it has gotten, in the 20th century, we have been leaping forward in terms of adding to that national debt, which already amounts to an amount of money that even when you say it, you have no idea whatsoever the meaning of that amount, right? Right. Uh, because we have gone so far beyond the ken of actual real comprehension of the situation uh, in which we are placed. And I think a lot of it has occurred during this period of time um, in, uh, toward the end of the uh, um, uh, last century and into this first uh, quarter of the uh, uh, present century uh, when our politicians have become totally preoccupied with holding on to power. Correct. The idea that they're supposed to ascertain and represent the conscience and mind and will and faith of the people that seems to have been thrown completely aside. Is that because Solzhenitsyn was right? This often occurs to me. And he gave a speech, uh, um, I think, in the context of uh, his uh, stay in America, um, in which he talked about the fact, and he premised uh, uh, the, the speech on the idea that America had forgotten God and that God was essential. Um, and God is essential because you realize that though we are a self-governing people, our self-government is not about a power that we automatically have. Right. It's a power that we deserve because we use it to do right according to the endowment of God. And I often tell people that's like a will that somebody has written. God's will. And in God's will, we are allocated choices. And we're allocated choices based also on an understanding of what it is right to do with that money according to God. Aren't there always provisions in an endowment that says you do this and thus and such with it? There so is. So when we're endowed with our rights, God has given us a clear indication of how we're supposed to use them within the boundaries of God's provision. Uh, why have we more and more allowed our politicians to act as if they're supposed to do stuff for us that walk, walks outside those boundaries uh, and actually encourages people uh, to default on their obligations, whether it's as parents because uh, we could talk, get into this, which we haven't. You'll have to come. Well, no, we have plenty of time. Maybe we will get into it. Because I find that the other example of encouraging people to give up their character is abortion. Absolutely. I think most people don't realize it's <coughs> not just an attack on the child. 
That's an attack on the character of the people of the United States who have adopted a view that most of us would understand to be gangsterism. Why do you get to kill that person? Because that person is getting in the way of my career. That's a gangster <laughs> conclusion. That's the conclusion that wicked people make about why they get to kill, maim, despoil, thieve from, and otherwise go after ordinary folks. Am I wrong? No, I you're think absolutely that right. There's the, the, the people who are in our politics at the, at the leadership, particularly on the Democrat side, but also you see it now and again on the Republican side, uh, they seem to be willing to do what our founders absolutely forbid. I think it was uh, uh, um, uh, Adams, was it, or Madison, um, who said that our Constitution uh, was framed Adams. for a moral and a religious Adams people. people. It is entirely inadequate to the government of any other. That's a challenge to character. Why have these scheming politicians gotten away from the business of constantly reminding people that we cannot authorize what destroys our character as a God-fearing people? Again, it goes back to we have to erase him as the moral authority upon which we are established. If you do that, it's anything goes, mm. such as the murder of generations of innocent people. And I, I call it because of irresponsibility or they treat it like it's a real estate transaction. It's mm. location, location, location. Because of that baby's location, it's authorized to kill them. I mean, in our country, we're supposed to have due process of law, right? You cannot take somebody's life unless they forfeit it by taking somebody else's life. But what has that baby done to take away somebody? Did they, did they get judged by a jury of their peers? No, they got judged by convenience or their location. You know, something occurred to me the other day, because you're exactly right in, in, in that understanding. And I was, I was reading uh, out of Jeremiah the other day, uh, God explaining to Jeremiah why he's going to go and do as God asks him to do. Uh, and there's that famous line, uh, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you and ordained you to be a prophet, right? Uh, and, I, I, and suddenly it struck me, I never had before in quite this way, that that means that, because we often think of it, the mother and the child, right? Mm. But according to that statement out of God's mouth about what he is doing in the womb, it is God who is forming us. Now, in what way? Well, you have the natural law way. Right. We wouldn't even come into existence. There would be no conception, no aftermath of conception, no transformation of the zygote into the various stages of the development and no development of hands and legs, all that. So he takes care of that in the natural law. What is he doing when he says, I formed the, uh, in the belly and ordained you to be a prophet? Well, being a prophet is not a matter of the body. It's a matter of the mind and the spirit. Right. And so that was the spiritual work of God. He's the spirit working to inform our spirit in a way that then inclines us to do things according to his provision, according to his goodwill. And he's challenging the prophet to recognize his individual responsibility to follow the provisions that God informed him of as he was being made in the womb. But if that's the true understanding, and all, all of you folks out there, because I occasionally will do this, it's just <laughs> the way I think, and I'm going to share it with you. Because um, as I was reading that, I said to myself, whoa, that means that if you interfere 
with the natural process that's occurring in the womb, as abortion certainly does, you are not just killing the child. You are attacking the spiritual work of God. Absolutely. And when that thought struck me, because I, I, I've been thinking, as many people do as you read the Bible, uh, at, at one, one point it becomes a, 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 a question because uh, Christ says that you'll be forgiven for any sin. You'll be forgiven for any and every sin, even a sin against him, he says, but not for a sin against the Holy Spirit. And it occurred to me that it's quite possible if that logic I saw is correct, that God's spirit is at work in the womb, and when you make a decision to abort the child, you are directly sinning against the Holy Spirit of God, committing the very sin that Christ said, said is unforgivable. Is unforgivable. Wow, Do you think thought. most people have thought that? I, it had never hit me. Um, and hit me and uh, so that puts an entirely different gloss on it, especially for people of Christian mind. Because I hear folks now, Across the denominations, they're being gulled into this argument to accept the notion that somehow or another abortion is necessary so that people uh, can get on with their lives and their careers and make their choices and we have the right to make our choices according to our will. But that's not really the premise the country's founded on. If the premise of the country is right according to God, then that activity in the womb, if you're informed by a Christian conscience, you are doing the one thing that right. you can't come back from if you do it with knowledge and malice aforethought, you're doomed uh, to destruction. Am I making sense? It makes sense. I've, I've never thought of it that way I either. I haven't thought of it. Wow. It, it, it strikes me as something that uh, is also then reflected in our politics. Because it seems to me that because a lot of people out there no longer feel like they're operating in a universe that's constrained by the ordinances of God, right? They're just constantly calculating right now who has the power, and that is what makes the Democrats think they can just buy everybody off because offer them enough money and they'll do what they're told. Right. Have we really become that kind of people? We have. It's sad to say, but for a lot of this country, it has. That's how we are in the state we are in right now. Our government has, again, since the 16th Amendment was passed, been able to pay off Use our own money as the carrot and stick, not only with the individuals, but with the states. Well, well. You, you are sounding like somebody in that who uh, ha agrees with a stand I've taken pretty much my whole adult life uh, because I, I believe that the best thing we could do in economic terms for this country would be to abolish the income tax. Absolutely. Return to a system of taxation based on tariff duties and excise taxes, which is what was there before the income tax was passed, but doesn't give the federal government the power to tax you at a rate that is to be decided by the people who are in government. Right. See? Be because uh, in th I often would ask audiences to still do when I get onto this topic, you know, uh, if that is the case, what percentage of your income does the government actually control? And the answer to that question is all of it. All of it. Because there is n uh, the income tax is a tax that's levied by the government. They do it at a certain rate, right? Right. That rate to be determined by them. 
So if I hand over and I say to you, you get to take as much money out of my pocket right. as you want. And they do. And they do. <laughs> and there is no limit to that <coughs> that's specified uh, in, 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 in the tax law. And, and it gets worse and worse all the time when you think about it. And that's why I thought this whole thing with the tuition and all that mm -hmm. uh, was timed in the way that it was because the Democrats are the party that are constantly pushing us toward higher and higher spending. Uh -huh. And that means either a higher deficit or, uh, and, and the money you have to pay to banks or somebody right. to finance that deficit, or a direct tax is going to be levied against our earnings when they darn well please. Final point. Yes, sir. We're coming into this technological age now. And I have been reading things that deeply concern me that alleged President Biden is trying to now move us pell-mell into a world in which we'll have a digital currency. A currency that would therefore be as much subject to the whims of government as they want it to be. It wouldn't be anymore just that they encourage inflation so our money is worth less. Right. Right, that they take these steps and, and all their spending makes our money worth less. Mm. Uh, our, our money would be worth less because they could cut off our money anytime they felt like Control it. it. Control it utterly. I think that's an insane proposition. Should we let them go forward with something that essentially means that the, the, uh, the money that we're actually spending is money created from moment to moment in its value by the government? That didn't make any sense to me. And allowed to spend when and where it chooses yes. instead of where and when you choose. That's right. Don't we become right. slaves essentially then? Right. We're slaves to the lender and mm -hmm. the lender becomes the government and they're mm -hmm. lending money that we earn already. How many people really understand the implications of this? They don't. Because they, they act like it's some kind of just, oh, we're taking advantage of the new technology and so forth. That's not it. Right now, if you have stored up a lot of valid dollar bills, right, and you buried them under the bed or buried them or put them in your mattress or put them in the yard and you take them out 20 years later, they're still good dollars, right? Absolutely. And you can go spend them. That's still good money. Uh, but... If they are determining directly, as you can do with digital currencies, right. how much those digital countries, how those digital currencies are going to fare, then you've actually turned control of your earnings totally over to the government. You literally become a slave laborer for the government. Right. I, re I refer to it often with the 16th Amendment did to the people, which digital currency would even exponentially yeah, it increase it. Right. Uh, if you've ever watched the movie The Matrix, we're just now, our, our government hates us. I say that all the time. Our government hates us, and they treat us like the batteries in The Matrix. They only need us to work so we can pay taxes, so they can spend money, so they can buy more power and influence. That's right. It's a, it's a self-licking ice cream cone. See, and unfortunately, I think many things going on in our present time show that though they are always talking about how it's going to be used to help everybody, uh, they seem to be taking billions of dollars, and the pattern in the world, including in communist China, including Russia, including Ukraine, and so forth and so on, is the reemergence of oligarchy, where a handful of people have power and wealth, and they are then controlling everybody else. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we have been funneling money into the pockets of these oligarchs in various ways, saying it's the infamous war effort, and that war effort, or this economic thing, and that thing. But at the end of the day, from our point of view, that's just money that's being funneled into the hands of a few people in some other government, who then, by the way, if you examine a situation, say, in the Ukraine, that money got funneled back into the 
pockets of some of our people here at home. Uh, I say Under this, Biden being the one you a, should really look into. I've said this, uh, the foreign aid system for the last few decades has been nothing but a government money laundering scheme. Hmm. They send all our, they send our sweat equity overseas in order to buy influence and get a return on their investment. It doesn't benefit us at all. It benefits those in power. Well, I've got to say, I, I, I think just sitting here talking to you that uh, the uh, people in the 12th district have an opportunity uh, because you are level-headed, you have a background and experience that really fits you because you uh, spent a lot of time in the military, right? 30 years. Uh, um, and and uh, uh, that fits you to deal with our present uh, challenges, to really understand them. And you go forward with a kind of uh, plain speaking, but, but uh, clear uh, and calm uh, forthrightness. That requires a lot of courage. And I think that that combination of things is exactly what we need to be looking for. Forget party labels and everything else. I doubt that you'll ever find a, a Democrat that satisfies the criteria that I just laid down. Uh, you will still sometimes find it amongst the, the, the Republicans. There are good folks. The higher they go, by the way, if McConnell is any example, the worse they get Absolutely. in terms of just accommodating whatever is going to lead to greater power for them. But you seem to care about representing the real folks out there. How would you encourage them to vote for you now? Uh, they no longer have a choice of voting between the lesser of two evils. The evil of not voting, the apathy of not voting, or the evil of just going along strict party lines. You have the opportunity to send somebody to Nashville that will actually be a servant leader for the people of District 12, that will stand in the gap between the federal government and its overreach well, against the people of Tennessee. The moral of that story is, look for the good guys. <laughs> Don't vote for anybody else. Uh, and if they insist on giving you bad choices, kick them to the curb where they belong. We'll be right back after this. Well, that will close out this week's special episode. Before we completely sign off, though, some campaign updates. I want to thank the people that showed up to last week's meet and greet, and I would also like to remind the audience that there are two more scheduled. Both of them will be at the King Family Library from 2 p.m. until 4 p.m. on the 8th and 22nd of October. Both of those are Saturday afternoons, and thankfully, Rod Run will be over with. So if you are in town and a voter in House District 12, please show up. I encourage you to. Also, the door-to-door is going extremely well. The voters here that I have encountered so far are finding it refreshing that they have another option in the general election this year. I also want to reassure the voters that I will not be splitting the vote. There is no Democrat running in this election. So it is just Mr. Dale Carr as a member of the GOP and myself, a constitutional conservative. Now we'll close with some wisdom from God's Word. And this week it comes to us from Psalms 127.3. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. If you have been paying attention at all lately to news everywhere, you will know that our children are under attack all over the nation. Not only in government schools and in public spaces, but also in hospitals across the country. Yes, even here in Tennessee. These hospitals are drugging, chemically castrating, and medically mutilating minor children with double mastectomies. Government and their willing, useful idiot allies no longer consider the fruit of the womb as a reward. They are treated either as a real estate transaction, a nuisance, 
or government schools are enabling or creating a mental illness that causes this permanent mutilation in order to satisfy some sense of wokeness by their parents. As I have said many times before, and will continue to say with every breath I have, these people are evil, and it will take all of us standing in the arena together to stop them. Until next week, stand in the arena with me, Reveille, it's time to wake up.